Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Boom! Welcome, 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 and welcome to the FIGHT podcast, your weekly combat sports and culture podcast. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and we are here in our Chicago studios. If you happen to hear like planes or whatever going on, I think the uh, Chicago Air and Water Show is going on, and we're right here in downtown, so you might hear some planes just floating by. Uh, this week was a little quiet in uh, the combat sports world, but uh, there's still a whole lot of crazy MMA news and boxing news to cover. We also have an exclusive interview this week with top MMA bantamweight prospect and newly signed to the UFC after his amazing fight on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, Super Sadiq Youssef. I'll also introduce a new prospect alert as well as our IG store poll results, fan questions, and my hot takes of the week. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show by checking me out on the website the uh, www.thefightpodcast.com subscribe listen rate share on iTunes and SoundCloud today and don't forget to purchase merch all right um this week is going to be a fun show uh we have again Puerto Ricanism Prism coming out here to go ahead and uh, show some love during our fight news and again like I said I had the pleasure of speaking with Sadiq Youssef. Um, this dude is super dope. He's 71. He's Team Lloyd Irvin trained at 145 pounds, and this dude is a complete beast. Super Sadiq is fresh off of his impressive unanimous decision win versus the ridiculously talented, talented Mike Davis on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. Yo, this is a really fun interview. We talk about life since his big win. Being from Nigeria, Nigeria, and that African pride, what's next for him in his career, and much more. He's a super great dude, and I am so happy uh, that he joined me here on the Fight Podcast. Without further ado, Super Sadiq Youssef here on the Fight Podcast. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, champ? May hey, bro, I appreciate you, man. <laughs> No problem. It's my pleasure, man. It's my pleasure. Mm-hmm. How's everything going today? 
Same, same, man. I can't complain. Just finished training and working with the kids, taking a little break right now before nighttime training. That's what's up, man. What do you do with the kids? It's like martial arts routines and stuff like that. Who like go like on field right now? Um, usually it's an after school program, but it's summer break, right. so you just do like basic summer camp here. They come and hang out at the gym and stuff like that. Oh man, that's super dope, man. I I always love hearing about um just people doing more and like giving back with kids and stuff because I don't believe those things are highlighted nearly enough. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 one of the major reasons why I started the, 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 the podcast itself is honestly just given black and brown folks, there's not a lot of representation regardless, especially even in the media realm, um, even less of us would that actually understand the sport. You know what I mean? Uh, so I wanted to try to bring a little bit more of a sophisticated kind of feel to it, but also highlight specific things, highlight people that are doing super dope stuff, you know, like yourself, man. So, I mean, with that being said, bro, congratulations on the Contender Series winning everything, bro. That was bananas. Thank you, man. Dude, man, um, for yourself, how was that entire experience? Because again, just watching it and seeing you guys, like you guys, like walk in there, you hear your story, and I will say, I, I give the UFC a whole lot of shit, but at the end of the day, the Contender Series is like um, incredible. You know, like the whole entire from from production end all the way throughout. Um, for you, man, how was that entire experience? Man, it was it was super cool, man. The the best part about it was how smooth it was, man. It was kind of like in and out. You was there and you're gone. You know, they flew us in um two days prior, enough yeah. time for you to the wait. But the fight day was the best part. You know, most most of the time, I don't know how familiar you are with the whole um MMA fight day stuff. Yeah. Sometimes you just they, you might show up like five hours early and you're just there wasting time the entire time. Man, we was in and out of that room. They, we got there like around four. Fight started at six. And on the dot, it was like everything was on schedule. And we was out of there by like eight o'clock. You know, it was five fights and everybody was trying to get a finish. So we was in and out. That's what's up, man. You're right. Because even if you've been, I know when you started off even going to Smokers, you're sitting there at these random places for hours, man. Like yeah. it, nobody knows what's going on. You're just sitting in these like old dojos for for, for for you know for pretty much what it is, man. So, nah, man, that's great to see. Um, how was the experience? And again, it, I could see that how super smooth it was. But is there a level of like just anxiety knowing you know who's in the room? Uh, nah, not really. Um. Like by the time the the fight starts, all of that was gone. The only real difference was it got it felt a lot closer to a sparring session than it did like a real fight. That's which, which was um which kind of helped me out because I'm that's kind of pressure cooker. I kind of train in anyways because I visit a lot of like boxing gyms and stuff like that, and that's how the sessions usually are. It's just a bunch of people surrounding the cage. Everything's nice and quiet, which is rare, you know, like yeah. in a. In in an arena or anywhere else that you fight them, you can always hear like a little murmur in the crowd. So yeah. even when people are yelling, you still hear a constant noise. Mm -hmm. But this was like dead silent, and then you're hearing every single punch, even the stuff that's missing. And you know, I um I didn't pay much attention to. Of course, I had better shit to do at the time, so I wasn't right. paying attention. <laughs> but when I rewatched the fight, I saw his reactions, and I was I was very pleased. Dude, one thing that stood out to me watching that fight was your movement. 
you were not only were you baiting them in to just run directly into your counters, but I mean, you definitely use it to be aggressive as well. I mean, is is that just all again? I mean, I've, I've seen you know your little you know you see short clips of your fights and stuff like that on YouTube, but is that something that I've seen you being essentially even more dynamic at times, more aggressive? This one seemed like you were really like lulling him into a game plan. Was that kind of what was happening? Exactly. You know, I did a lot of film study on him and you know guys like that that's undefeated and they come with a lot of knockout power you can't um at the beginning of the fight i was like all right let's let's trade let's see let's see yeah. who can get out of here which i was successful at doing but i took some damage with like when i start my, my foot started hurting and stuff like that and my eye was a little blurry then yeah. it started into more all right let's revert back to the game plan of what we worked on throughout the whole camp which is me baiting him in and countering and when he um when he feels the, all right, man, come come fight me, mm-hmm. then I'll show who I am again. And then right back to baiting a man, playing defense and moving around. Oh, absolutely. Dude, uh, you guys had... And sometimes you see on specific fights, especially in the contender series, there are people. It's like you can. It's just like an, it's not an even matchup, right? You can see like the, the other guy. Yeah. Like one dude belongs, one dude doesn't belong. You yeah. had a dude who definitely belongs, also. You know. Yeah. 100%. Um, so just being in there and seeing you handle it, like how do you feel already? Like you're going in, you got the contract, and again, man, first and foremost, your post fight uh, speech. You know, you. This talk or whatever speech, whatever you want to call it, man, kudos um, to you, man. Like it, it, <laughs> it, most people don't utilize that space the right way. You know, yeah. people don't know how to like. You know, you you have to have a little bit of something, charisma, something that like wants people to watch you. You're going out there, dude. After you did your thing, I started hitting up my Nigerian buddies. I watched, <laughs> you know, I watched Black Panther again. I was like, yo, this is bananas, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it's about, man. Like, and I'm I'm big in the rep and the culture man like there's not a lot of times man the culture is represented like negatively and like when something positive happens it's like a murmur you know you'll see like a twitter post or something like that but people yeah. aren't riding behind it as i'm saying whenever we do something positive this might be a little tiny thing in the world of mma but it's something that you gotta rep your culture man you gotta throw it out there when you can dude and i do not think it's a little thing that's coming because and i wanted to talk to you about this because i've noticed and again dude i'm i'm black and puerto rican it, it, we're as prideful as it gets. I'm, I'm, I'm mixed with two, two of the most prideful people, right? One yeah. thing I'm loving seeing is seeing the, you know, the African culture that already it's already finally being, you know, held up high here in the states, right? But not only you have that with everything going with like the Black Panther movement and everything like Black Panther and stuff like that, too, dude. The guys, yourself, style bender, you know, like you see, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Usman brothers, like all these dudes, you're seeing like that shift. Do you feel like it's like a wave of you guys are coming? Like, yo, we're doing this. We're here. We're like, it's our time. It's just a matter of time, man. The only thing we're missing over there is the knowledge, you know. Like right now, the athletes are already there. I'd say make them jokes about, oh, you could find a a friggin' Gano anywhere in Nigeria. You know, you just strolling down the street. (laughs) You know, like all they need is the knowledge. Once they see the knowledge is there, which is why I rep the culture so hard. You know, because a little kid that's like chilling, like that might not be from the cities back home. You might be from just something. He sees that. He's like, oh, that's something I could do. Like what? I just gotta work hard. 
Hell yeah, I could do that shit, you know? So, like, little little things like that, and sooner or later, it adds up. The same way, there's a reason why now most of the NBA and NFL is, like, all black people, you know? Man, <laughs> man. Let's <Yeah>, <laughs> see Africans in this place, man. That Dude, um, tell me a little bit about, because... I'm gonna be very honest with you. Again, my, my 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 dad's family, so I have the whole you know civil rights aspect for my dad, my pops' family, and so I understand. Like I've done the, my research and everything, you know, there Puerto Rican side. I've done my research. I understand the history and everything of my people here, also. So I understand the pride. I'm be honest with you. I, I felt awful, even to the point when I read like Trevor Noah's book, um, you know, Border Crime recently. Like how little I know about African culture, and it really like hurt my feelings. I'm like, what the hell? This sucks. Like we don't know any of this. Like, could you just tell me a little bit about your culture and what makes it? Obviously, it's special. It's you know, I know, I understand that. But to you, what is it that you know really for you is like? This is why these are my, this is my people. You know. The, man, the biggest thing is just the pride and support, man. You know, like if you if you ever go click on like my Instagram and see stuff like that, just like read through the comments. These people yeah. don't know me; they have no idea who I am. But as long as they see me doing something positive, that's all it is. That little bit of positivity that they see me doing, yeah. they're gonna ride hard. The same way I ride for any other Nigerians I see. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're, if you're um a, a pet, uh, some type of like vet. A doctor, a lawyer, anything, anything that's bringing that shine a light on the country. You know, <laughs> right now Nigeria's going through a little bit of a rough time because money's not circulating well in there. You know, yeah. So any, anybody that's doing something good overseas, hey man, don't get it twisted. We're not doing too great over here either, right now, man. <laughs> Trust me, you, I, I know people who will kill to be over here. I you know, you. without giving up an arm and a leg to be over here. Right, right. It's, um, it's harder for people that are like born here or been here too long to see the opportunities that this country provides. But this country is a fucking great place, you know. No, this is a place where you could change your life in a day. And the the biggest thing about this place is where you're born is not where you're gonna stay for the rest of your life. There's some places you go you where this, you could do. Yeah. There's nothing you could do. You're kind of stuck there. So that's just the biggest thing with that man. It's just a pride. You're not. I tell you, you're not gonna meet a Nigerian that's from, that's not gonna tell you that they're Nigerian in the first two. Minutes of that conversation, it's gonna come out sooner or later in that conversation. Oh, dude, I always know. I could tell by y'all swag, man. Like you guys have a, a definitely demeanor, man. You know who it is. Like, look, I, that that's the Nigerian brother. I could tell. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so let me know. Like I said, a, a little bit about just again. You said you utilize a lot of your boxing skills, which you do have a lot of. What is your, in general, your mar- what was your journey, your path in martial arts? So, all right, I've been um. Like, I've always been a huge fan of MMA my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know um, how to get there until I heard Joe Rogan say something about high school wrestling on one of the UFCs. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let me check. I'm from PG. I, I don't, where, where are you from? I'm Chicago. Chicago? Well, yeah. and, um, Maryland, I'm from PG County. Yeah. Ain't no black dudes thinking about wrestling over here. <laughs> <laughs> over here in Maryland, you know? Hey, fam, Chicago is the same way, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... I went to go check in my high school. I was like, hey, do we have a wrestling team? Turns out we did. There was like four kids on the team, you know, but like, ain't nobody's thinking about that. Everybody think about football and basketball. Absolutely. So, you know, I try to I try to wrestle my sophomore year, but at the time I was still a little bit of a knucklehead. I, I didn't have my grades right. I did they say you couldn't be on the team unless if you had no ease and above a two point And at the time I, I I didn't have my act right. It was a little bit too late. Right. So right. the next next year, you know, now I have a reason to um 
achieve something in school, you know. So Absolutely. I got my grades right. I started wrestling as a junior and a senior, and I did I did real good with that. And as as soon as that was over, I couldn't go straight into college right away because I had to get everything right with my citizenship. Right. I started I started college the next year, and I started going to Lloyd Irvin's martial arts. I was go I was I was in college for about one semester, mm-hmm. and my second semester, um, they had like a competition team tryouts at, at Lloyd Irvin's place, and. I did that. It was me. This is actually funny. It was me and another guy got MVP in that competition, same tryouts. Me yeah. and James Green, my, my, one of my main trainer partners now. That's dope. <laughs> and James Green got MVP at that jump. And I remember one day I was just at home. Um, I was getting ready to work. I was going ready to go to work at Pizza Hut. And and um, so they had another name drop, Sajara Eubanks. She's in oh, yeah. the U.S. now too. Yeah, yeah. Sajara Eubanks. She calls my phone. She calls my phone up and she was like, hey, man, Master Lloyd wants to talk to you. He picks up the phone. He was like, hey, so what are you doing with your life? Um, What are you trying to do? I was like, hey, I'm in school right now. But honestly, I'm really only here just to keep my mom happy. I don't really want anything to do with school. I want to be a professional fighter. Like, that's my dream. I want to fight in the UFC. And he was like, of course, he ain't going to tell you to drop out of school because he's a he's he's an upstanding dude. Yeah, he's not going to throw you under the bus like that. So he puts it in a different way. He goes, well, if that doesn't work out for you, I got opportunity for you. That was my last day going to class and my last <laughs> day going to work. But you know what, man? I have to say, knowing yourself is so important and realizing, say, you know what? And here's the thing. People might knock that move, but, yo, that takes balls that takes balls to say you know what i'm going all in i'm doing this this will this will be here if i need it it'll be here exactly and like you said it's all about knowing yourself you know i know like i've told people from the get-go from the moment i started fighting i said the only way for me not to end up in the ufc is if it's just written and destiny like you're not gonna make it because i'm gonna do every single thing in my power to make it unless it's like lightning that struck me or something (laughs) i knew because i know my work ethic man i know my work ethic i'm naturally talented you know and then i work hard behind that so like i i always felt like there's no reason why it wasn't gonna happen you know it's me getting to the ufc was like a given but get, and what i do after the ufc that's gonna be the journey you know the same way if you heard the concept I, I i don't know if they played it or not but when they was interviewing me i was always saying like everything before this was just the beginning of the book and like the ufc's yeah. chapter one yeah that's what's up man dude tell me how is it to have i mean for those who don't know lord Irvin is one of the 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 mma gods of like coaches you know he's one of those like jedi council type dudes you know you you have to throw him up there with the mad humes of the world the 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 the, you know farasahabis all those guys you put him in that same mix how is it having him in your corner how is having him as a you know your mentor essentially in this war in this uh the journey you've taken in mma all right, so let, let me let me put, put a scenario out there for you. All right, all right. So I I I move I move into a fighter house as a white belt. Um, three months into training, um, mixed martial arts, <laughs> and then now these are all the with all these world class jujitsu guys and four three other people that were in the house for MMA. Okay, those three people: Frank Camacho. Okay, who's in the UFC right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you Banks in the UFC right now? James Vick in the UFC right now. Who's 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 on a tear, by the way. Exactly. So all all those things is like that type of env- environment. You had there's nothing. Yeah, there's exactly. nothing to do but go up. 
exactly. Thank you can find you can find um. There's an old old like video of me on YouTube, like nervous, like little kid, like on camera. I was like, this this is a perfect place for me to be to make my dreams come true. And man, that's that's it. What more could you ask for? You know, as a as a 19 year old trainer, I basically went to college for MMA. You know, um, morning training, night training, sometimes even three a days, at minimum eight hours a day for mm-hmm. six days a week. Dude, that's, I mean, your work ethic shows, and I and I will say, just in, in for instance, knowing just your background and knowing your culture, that's one thing that I've always known about anybody from, you know, all my, because I grew up, I had Nigerian buddies in college, I had a bunch of them. You guys have just crazy grit and worth ethic, you know? Now, I did have a question about this, because I do, I did grow up with a bunch of Nigerian buddies, and I know how education is. The fact that you left school. That <laughs> 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 you left school. You know, Bro, how did your yo, mom deal with that? How did the peas deal with that, man? Yo, yo, all right, all right. So <laughs> I, I, I make it sound like it was a real smooth transition. That part was the was the not so smooth transition, you know. You you so, try to throw it under there like it was cool, and I was like, wait, hold yeah, on, nah, man. Nah, 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 nah. All right, all right. For, for anybody that's getting the tripping out there, it, it, it ain't cool for any Nigerian kid to just stop going to college when your when your parents immigrated over here just right. for you to go to college, you know? Like Dude, I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't send you back, man. They're like, oh, you gonna you gonna just drop out, huh? And man, she she wasn't having it, you know. It's like she she as much as she took it as well as a Nigerian mom could take it, you know? So let's let's say let's put it that way, you know. So it means she finally started talking to you again. That's what's up. That's what's yeah, up. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it was all um Phone calls every day of what are you doing with your life, man? What are you doing? When, when are you going to go? How long do you plan on doing this for? And blah, blah, blah. But I will say this, though. My mom knows her son, and she knows she raised me. She knew I was going to give this everything I had. Because before I even moved to the fighter house, I was taking three-hour bus rides to get to Lloyd Irvin's, you know? It's like mm-hmm. I didn't have – at the time, I didn't have a job yet. I didn't have any money. And to get – I could get I could have gotten here in 30 to 45 minutes if I took the train. But the train cost $12 a day. And as a, somebody with no job, that wasn't happening. The bus was $3 a day because, you know, the buses, um, once you get off, you can get on again for free. Absolutely. So that was – yeah, yeah that was $3 a day. So I was like, man, I would just do that. I put um, Joe Rogan in my ear, listening to the podcast, yeah. taking them three-hour bus rides to the gym and taking three-hour bus rides back home, getting home like at 12, 1230 at night, 1 o'clock at, in the middle of the night. You know, like she she saw the hunger there from the get go. So she knew once that once that phone call came and I told her, all right, man, I got to take this opportunity. You know, school would always be there. Of course, she ain't take it well. (laughs) She also she also was lying to my peoples back home, like my dad back home and and my brothers and them. She she like she kept the story going for like like a year or a year and a half, telling them that I was at some type of wrestling camp and stuff like that. And my dad. Yeah, what what year is he now in college? And she's like, oh yeah, he's still in, he's going into his <laughs> second year and blah blah blah. It took him a while, you know. And even throughout right. all my amateur fights and stuff like that, you know, she was still like, even she didn't fully got get the grasp of what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But my pro debut. After my pro debut fight, I heard somebody in the audience and she was like, Hola, mi day. Like, and she's the only person that ever calls me by my middle name. And yeah. I was like, oh, shit. And I turned to the side and that was the first fight she ever came to, you know. Dang. So it was, it was super cool. From from then on, man, like she she was already rocking behind me. But, you know, she she sends loves all the way back home. Like in my last fight, um, this fight with Mike Davis, all my brothers and sisters and all my families back home. That Some of them don't get access to the Internet like that. But, you know, they got right. the WhatsApp app and yeah, the ones yeah. that 
yeah. they're overseas that could get to watch it, they'll like mm-hmm. send them like little tiny 10 second clips or like two minute clips and they'll just send it in a group message and they all got to watch it like that, you know? So it was Dude, rough. that's so dope. It was rough in the beginning, but you know, we, we're here now. <laughs> that's what's up, man. That's what, yeah, that's what I was going to ask too. I was going to say like, how is she now? But she seems like, you know, with it, she's like all the way on board now. She's like, you know, supportive as ever. 100%. Was she was she at this uh, last fight? No, no, no. I use I made sure I used all my man. This this was an important fight. I used all my little guest passes. I use it for all teammates and coaches. If you if you don't if you don't got a job to do at camp, you don't need to be there. You know, <laughs> that dude. That's a that's a smart way to do it. You know what, man? You're a young dude, but you can see that there's like this wisdom. You know, with 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 the way that thing was set up. It's so quiet in there that anything the crowd says is you're going to hear it, you know? So I use every single one of my passes. It was boxing coaches, wrestling coaches, wrestling partners. <laughs> so every single thing that the crowd is saying is something useful. Nobody's right. going out there saying knock his head off, you know? Right. Hey, I mean, that's, that's a smart way to do it, too, because if it is, I mean, I'm sure you could even you could even hear your opponent, what he's saying, what they're saying. Like, do this. You're like, nah, homie, that's not happening. Like, So you have like even that dynamic, which is crazy. So... I understand the no no distractions at all. Um, well, man, check it out, man. I 100% appreciate your time, bro. Like, this has been incredible. Um, I, I ask everybody this before, you know, to get out of here, at least most of my people, if I can. Um, all of us have different, you know, quirks and things that we have to deal with. What is it for you that is the, the, the like, a, a different or, like, a weird thing that you do that people don't know about? Is it, like, to get ready for fights or something that you, you know, just personally do? You're like, yo, this is my quirk, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, well, that, I didn't think it was weird until um, until like two fights ago. But I guess this is mine to get ready for my fight. Like fight day, like two days before the fight, before mm-hmm. weigh-ins. You know, I like to go on Instagram. I put in the hashtag ice cream hashtag, cheese hashtag, and fries hashtags, and I just scroll through it because it's so hard for me to sleep while I'm cutting weight. And I I put the time <laughs> on Food Network. You know, I go on like a 24-hour Food Network binge, and that's all we do, man. You cut weight, watch Food Network, and look up ha- ice cream hashtags. Bro, doesn't that like kill you, man? You're sitting here, you're like you're cutting weight. I, I, I'm trying to tell you, man. It sounds counterproductive, but that shit works. That's what, <laughs> yo, I I've cu- I cut weight hard one time. And if anybody should, and anything, and I'm a chef by trade too, so I'm a chef. Uh-huh. So the fact that everybody's keeping food away from me, and like, no, I don't want to see anything. I don't want to. Don't talk to me. Don't <laughs> man, show me no man. food. I get, I get pleasure from watching <laughs> other people enjoy their food. You know. <laughs> hey, hey, man. As long as you're not out there eating those, watching those weird videos on uh, on YouTube where like the Asian ladies are, like eating food weird. Like, don't uh, do that. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. It ain't that far. It ain't that far. That that's that's some craziness. Them them girls, man. They get mad views two on those videos dude millions of views bro it's crazy dude man but yo check it out um uh, anything you'd like to see to say to the listeners anybody before you get you out of here is any any shout out where can they find you and something that you know something you else do you want to just say yeah all my all my social medias is all super Sadiq, man. I really want um I'm trying to grow my YouTube channel. That's the one that's most important. So anybody that's listening, go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Super Sadiq. So, I put a lot of back behind the same footage stuff on there. And I'm gonna start telling a lot more of my stories, man. I got tons and tons of these little African stories, man. Yeah, I'm gonna so, start putting man. them up on YouTube. Hopefully I can get them animated or something like that. But that's what that's what the next goal is. 
Dude, that that's that's brilliant, man. That's I mean, promote yourself, man. The more you promote yourself, I shoot, I'm figuring it out now. You know, people keep on asking me. They're like, "Yo, Serge, man, how you been getting? You know, these uh, interviews." I was like, "Man, I'm sliding in, in DMs like a thought, man. Like, what, what else exactly. can I say, man? I got to do what I got to do." Shoot your shot. You got to shoot your shot, <laughs> man. man. So, brother, I appreciate you. Um, so every, every at Super Sadiq is where all your social media, all everything, YouTube channel, everything. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, brother, man, thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Hopefully, like I said, we can do this again sometime soon. And if you're ever in Chicago area, brother, I'd love to take you and get a slice of deep dish, man. I'm going to hold you to that, man. Thank you. Got you, bro. That's it. (laughs) All right, brother. You have a great one, man. You have a good one. Boom. There it is. That was our interview with Super Sadiq Youssef. Yo, um, great interview. Really, really fun, uh, uh, fun guy. If you guys have not had an opportunity to check him out, please do. Um, he is on week six of the Dana White Contender Series. And I'm telling you, uh, once you see this guy, you will know how legitimate he is, man. So uh, salute to that man for being on the show. Really do appreciate his time. All right, you are listening to the Fight Podcast, and of course, I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and still to come, we have Fight News, this week's Prospect Alert, and I'll answer some fan questions on top of a couple more things. (laughs) Uh, But before that, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Don't forget to support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Purchase merch today. All right. So now it comes time to one of my favorite points in time of the show, Prospect Alert. Prospect Alert is where we go ahead and highlight some of the combat sports world's most up-and-coming prospects that you might not know. These guys and girls are absolute monsters, and they will be stars in the near future. This week's Prospect Alert is a young man who is a lightweight boxing phenom and former Olympian Carlos Balderas. All right, so Carlos is an absolute monster. He's a 2016 Rio Olympian and uh, one of the brightest stars coming out of that Olympics. He has shown a lot of promise. Uh, again, he is 6-0 with 5 knockouts. So he goes out there and he shows that he can go ahead and do work. After watching a few of his last fights, um, one thing I realized that he is really, really, really well schooled. This kid has a great story. He's only 22 years old and he's trained by his father, raised by his grandparents, and his grandfather in particular, that's who he actually goes ahead and credits his work ethic. His grandfather, in a story that this man was talking about, he said that his grandfather, at 90 years old, just retired. After working his entire life in the fields, picking and working and stuff like that. That's bananas, man. Another thing, because his family knew how dope he was at boxing, his father went ahead and sold two cars in order for him and his brother, who was a boxing female back in the day himself, 
He sold those cars in order to go ahead and send him to the Olympics and all other tournaments. So, man, this kid already has a good family base. And you can see it in the way he talks and the way he glows when he goes ahead and talks about his family. And I love that. This kid breathes boxing, man. He's so well-schooled. And one thing about it, and again, he is a Mexican kid. And when we look at and we think about traditional Mexican style, we think slow, plotting forward, great timing, and relentless pressure. Body shots, of course. Now, this kid does all of those things. He's aggressive. He knocks you out. He attacks the body like a savage. But he's also crazy athletic. He can move. Great hand speed. He throws combinations, good combinations. But one thing you've noticed, and I did notice about his combinations, is that he shows patience. He doesn't always just rip combinations. He'll go ahead and he pop shots until he realizes and he sees that opening and then he just lets his hands fly. One of the great things. Uh, he has really, really good power in both hands and again, throws well-timed combinations. He's calculated in his aggression and that's one thing that I always have loved in any type of fighter. He's tough, so he's willing to engage, which leads for an exciting fighter. Anybody who's willing to go ahead and take Two, to land one is somebody that people are always willing to watch. This dude is going to be a future champion at 135 pounds. He has a strong family unit and he sees who has his head on his shoulders. He has a style that looks good for television, but he has a style that actually wins fights. You know what I'm saying? He's not just taking just these risks. They're calculated risks. Um, look out for this kid, man. He fights for PBC Boxing, and I'm sure he will be back in the ring soon. He won his last fight um, in February, and I'm sure he's looking for something coming up. So, salute to Carlos Balderas, a week 26 prospect alert. Boom. <laughs> All right. This is the Fight Podcast. And you know me, I'm Serge Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Uh, we're almost out of here, but we still have a whole lot of great stuff to come. We have our fight news, our IG story, poll results, our weekly hot takes, and we go ahead and answer our fan questions. All right. Today, I was joined once again by fellow fight nerd, former pro fighter, and musician, prison Puerto Riganism. So, without further ado, which I, I feel like I've used more than once today, <laughs> here's this week's fight news. Well, brother, yeah. how you feeling today, man? Fantastic. Looking forward to today's podcast. I'm, I'm super excited. A lot to talk about, <laughs> as usual. Per every week, there's a ton to talk about. Sergio Vicente not letting me off the hook, not letting me slide, putting me up on all the content to look up at. And I'm like, man, you know what? He's right. He's got a he's got a definite point. We got to talk about this. There's just so much going on in the world of MMA and the world of boxing and combat sports in general. And, you know, we love it. Dude, there, there's so much. And even on a week like last week, there was a uh, I mean, there was no fight. So I can't lie. I was actually <laughs> I talked about it a little earlier in the show, but it's like. I am, I was, it was, it felt nice. It felt nice to kind of chill week, you know, not have to like sit back, you know, Saturdays, you know, just, uh, just watch fights. I love doing it. Ended up watching yes. fights anyways, but it was kind of good not to like, you know, do that. But all in all, man, there's still so much to talk about and, uh, and I'm excited, man. So the way we're going to do it, 
you and I talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, for the for those listening, what we're gonna do today is that we we we, we get long winded, and I understand. <laughs> so um, one thing we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do five minutes. So each topic we're gonna get five minutes to each news topic. So we're gonna be able to sit there and actually you know be able to debate it you know all the way through solid five minutes, and then as soon as the alarm goes off, no matter what, we move on to the next topic. You know. Definitely looking forward to some of that listener feedback as well. You know, feel free to chime in and let us know what you think about what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, Prism, my brother, week 26, you know, podcast 26, you know, we have our fight news. So, again, as always, starting off with our fight news. Oh, uh, man. What do you have to start off, man? I know you got some art, some uh, some topics. What's the first one we're going to talk about today? Well, I mean, I, I was I was pretty excited about the potential opportunities with uh, with TJ, TJ Dillashaw and Javante Davis talking a little bit of trash right now. But I'm going to take a step back on that because I feel like we could spend a lot of time talking about it. We can I just want to bring about you. It. You know, yes. what? you, you want to start off with it. Uh, that's actually a pretty good one. Um, yep. Let me go ahead and hit this stopwatch for us. But uh, why don't you go ahead and start off by letting us know. Uh, t- tell us a little bit more about that topic. Well, it just so happens that T.J. Dillashaw uh, just finished winning the the uh, you know retaining his belt, I should say, against uh, his competitor in the last fight we talked about a little bit earlier. But Javante Davis chimed in, and he didn't mention T.J. Dillashaw. He said, "I would like to fight the guy who just defeated Cody Garbrandt," but he Super didn't say his name. Yes. Super disrespectful. And I thought we talked about that a little bit um, last week. But um, I think that will be an interesting dynamic to see, similar to the way Connor and Mayweather fought, where they had a cross-sport combat match. And that brought me to the original topic in my intro, was really I wanted to run it by you. In the same vein, we have Dylan Dennis, who we talked a little bit about training with McGregor when we looked at the dynamics regarding Nurmagomedov versus McGregor and, you know, the grappling and stand-up dynamics. But with Dylan Danis being an accomplished BJJ practitioner and competitor. Yeah. He, he's, just he's, won all the, he's one of like all the, the main, the main competitions He's one of the youngest, um, jujitsu, um, world winners, uh, ever. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. incredible. He, he really is incredible on the ground. Um, Definitely a very accomplished athlete in BJJ moving into the MMA world. It just so happened that he and the Motom Phenom, MTP Kevin Lee, went ahead and did some grappling recently in Vegas. And um, according to what uh, MTP Lee was saying that happened in the training room, there was some uh, reverse triangles involved and they weren't put on him. Aha. So you know what? I'm going to be very honest with you. And I saw that they they both said that they put up 10 stacks each and, uh, and, and end up, you know, competing against one another you know um and it seems as if uh you know your boy is is ready you know what i mean it's it seems like kevin lee is 100 down he's like i'm down and i'm gonna be honest with you as skilled as uh dylan dennis is on the ground and i 100 believe that dylan dennis is one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners uh, he's one of the best American jizz practitioners ever, uh, and he's definitely one of the best guys currently doing it. Yeah. If they got in there and actually competed against one another, I wholeheartedly believe that Kevin Lee would just run through him. And I'm going to say I believe Kevin Lee would run through him is because Kevin Lee is wrestling is top notch. He comes from one of the top wrestling programs in the country. Um, not only is his wrestling top notch, he 
is one of the most dynamic um, grapplers, submission-wise, in the UFC's lightweight division. He's a much larger dude naturally than Dylan Dennis is. And here's the thing that we all know, um, you and I know, especially being that you know we've competed, we've trained jiu-jitsu for a long time. Both of us <laughs> are far beyond our white belts, so... We we are able to you know we know that no matter what if we have two guys that are similar in in skill let's say let's say the skill and skill but one is larger is just so much larger that larger guy is going to run through him it's the same thing and again we're going to talk about later later on in uh in fight news but little guys fighting skilled big guys it never works out. It doesn't. Uh-huh. I mean, we can say, oh, man, look at Daniel Cormier. and It's not the same. Daniel Cormier was 14-0 as heavyweight. Yes. So, I mean, he's a heavyweight. You know what I'm saying? He was somebody who was depleting himself. So it's not like he actually went up. He just right. went to where he actually belonged. So I think right. Kevin Lee will run through him. It is a, it's so it was kind of funny and I wanted to bring it to your attention because the 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 actual wager, I believe, was $100,000. Dang. I was he off. Said, that's a that's that's a huge wager. He says put up one hundred thousand dollars. Winner takes all. Winner two hundred thousand dollars. On now here's where the gravity increases. On Instagram Live, so that there's no editing, right? On Instagram Live, put up one hundred k. Winner takes all. This is Dylan Dennis. I love it. 18, 18 hours ago, Kevin responds. Say when. Oh, I love it. I love. I tune it. in. I tune in. And you know what, man? And I appreciate this because these are the type of things that will make Kevin Lee a bigger star. He yes. goes out here and runs through Dylan Dennis. That's something else that he can go ahead and actually, you know, talk about. He can break it down. He can say, hi, look, you know, I, I, I beat this guy. And I'm just thinking long term. Let's say eventually he has an opportunity to fight Conor McGregor. Yes. Who does Dylan, who is one of Dylan Dennis's main training partners? Correct. Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. So if he says, hey, look, I ran through your jujitsu guy. Look what I'm going to do to you. It's perfect. Oh, and there it is. What you got? Last uh, la- last uh, thing. What you got to say about it? That was our five minutes for that topic. Last detail. Dennis says the only way to qualify the winner, submission only. That's how it should be. Just like the Eddie Bravo Invitational. That, that's how the only way it should be. All right. Ne- next one. Next topic. The UFC. Two th- I want to bring this up. I want to know what you felt. I feel a specific way about it. I'll tell you about it in a second. But UFC 228 poster is out. And that's going to be where the 170-pound champ, Tyron Woodley, is going to go ahead and fight against Darren Till. Yes. The poster is Darren Till literally looking double the size of the champion <laughs> Tyron Woodley. Me personally, I felt when I saw this, I couldn't believe it. I thought the the level of disrespect, they literally have Darren Till, who, don't get it twisted, is a much physically larger man. Darren Till is 6'3". Yes. Um, Tyron Woodley is only 5'10". 5'9". 5'9". 5'9". and 6 feet. Right, exactly. So you got these big dudes. Oh, Darren Till is much taller than 6 feet. He's much taller than six feet. He's every bit of six three. Even that's even the same thing that um that what's the I mean, dude, he, he he's he's a middleweight. He's a middleweight. He missed it. First of all, he should not have gotten his last title fight. And I I, I digress. But 
And I'll talk about that in a minute. But I thought it was crazy disrespectful that the UFC went ahead and, and they put this poster out making the champion look so weak. And that's what it <laughs> looks like to me. I feel like they made the champion look weak. Prism, man, like, I, don't, I don't know, man. That was me. Well, there's a couple of perspectives we have to look at this from. We have to look at it from a marketing perspective. From a marketing perspective, we got to think about the fact that Tyron Woodley, as the champion, should be much more well-known in the U.S. market, I put that in parentheses, than Darren Till. So they had to make make that image of Darren Till more uh, uh, apparent so that the average fringe fan looks at it there until in that poster and doesn't miss it doesn't say oh well who's this guy at least it makes them aware of who the fighter is and perhaps maybe look a little bit deeper into it so from a marketing perspective the first thing that comes to mind is the time that uh, Diaz fought Cowboy or uh, sorry RDA fought Cowboy RDA was in the middle of the poster and he looked very very small in the center and Cowboy was the full background again the word looming that you used is the ideal word to use for that right Right. So he's just looming over him. It's 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 not only the fact that RDA perhaps couldn't sell fights because it's not as popular in the U.S. market. Cowboy is a very, very popular brand in the U.S. market when it comes to the MMA. Whether or not he is a champion or not, he's always going to have high paydays and he's going to have good viewership because he's a very popular fighter and he's very recognizable. No right. different from the way the, the moniker of Iceman or 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 uh, or rampage when you hear those names you know the face comes to you it just so happens that their brand is large so when you have cowboys brand you have to use cowboys brand to sell that fight so from a marketing perspective i understand that yeah, yeah look at from it. a marketing perspective i understand that but it wasn't as much as the when it's the champion in the center and yes. the challenger looming over him when they use the whole backdrop it's yes. different it's right. different because it's just like this person's coming. It's a presence, right? Yeah. They, they did that with uh, Ronda Rousey against um, Amanda Nunes also. Okay, and right. I thought And I thought it was a, a total crock of, you know, sh- wow. trash then also. Yeah. Um, because, <laughs> I I, I, again, that. that entire process is built towards, and this is my issue with it. They do those type of things and they always make the person bigger that they, the UFC, is favoring. And you can always tell that. They've had issues with Tyron Woodley for the longest time. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they want him to fight differently. They want him to fight, you know, more often. They, he's upset about how he's getting marketed, how he's getting paid, and different things. So yes. not only was Darren Till bigger, he was bigger and looking down yes. on Tyron Woodley. So when I saw it, I, I just felt, I was like, look, man, this is just another way that, the, that Tyron Woodley, this is something else he can put in his bag to say, look, they're trying to get me again. They're trying to talk trash. They they want this guy to win. And let's be honest, and they they apparently really does seem as if they want um, the guy who Darren Till, let's who we all forgot, he missed weight his last fight that is by correct. seven pounds, man. He yeah, was significant amount of weight. The, he was almost in the other weight class. So he honestly shouldn't even have gotten this opportunity. So yes. it even shows that look, this the UFC is all about obviously one selling tickets. Yes. Two, they're I really do believe that they looked at the opportunity of, for instance, a Kobe Covington, right? Yes. They wanted Kobe Covington and Tyron Willie to fight for that card, the UFC two twenty eight. 
Colby Covington had an injury, sustained an injury. It wasn't even an injury. He had to get like a small procedure done with his nose or his nasal passages. All he needed was an extra month. Right. Tyron Woodley also said that, hey, I'm fine waiting that entire month. Yes. Stylistically, if we look at the matchups, stylistically, Colby Covington does not have a chance in hell to beat Tyron Woodley. Colby Covington is a smaller version of Tyron Woodley. <laughs> who has a better opportunity to beat Tyron Woodley? A bigger guy who is an aggressive striker, right? So, so yes. they go ahead and they say, well, forget this dude and his interim belt. Literally strip Kobe uh, Covington of his interim belt just to give Tyron Woodley, you know, against a more dangerous opponent. I don't know, man. It seems all in all, it looks like the UFC are really trying to get over on my boy. So now, if we put if we put Covington versus uh, Tyron, just as a just as a perspective question for you, if we put Kobe Covington versus Tyron Woodley. If we put Tyron Woodley looming over Kobe Covington in the poster, do you automatically assume the champion is going to run through Kobe Covington because he is looming over Kobe Covington in the poster? Yes. Right. The fans are going to see that and they're gonna say, man, this is the champ. That's how they really equate it with because they don't really know the, 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 the depth of his entire career. They just saw a couple of fights recently as the champ. And they look at the Kobe Covington, who's the interim guy. He's like, man, this guy's the champ. He's the real champ. This guy's the interim champ. Man, he's going to run through him. They want to make it seem as there's an actual challenge there so that people can tune in and have the desire and and, and want to purchase pay-per-views. It's a good point, man. I feel you. Um, you want to bring up the next one? All right. So the next one I wanted to talk about is pretty cool. It just happens to, happens to be one of my favorite uh, half Puerto Rican fighters, Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, the underground king himself. The underground king and the new and the new master of uh, what did what did he defeat? Um, what did he defeat his last opponent with when he defeated? Uh, um, how could I forget the kid's name? He's, I love Justin Gaethje. Gaethje, love yeah. him. I love him. Love him. He's a great competitor. No, he's they good. competed for the title of uh, what most something violent like pain man. or. The most, most violent, violent man. man. Yes, thank you, Boy, thank you very much. Eddie just lost that title. Oh man, to Poirier. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And again, we, the, I, I, I hate when they do that. When I'm, and I'm sorry, I don't want to take up too much time on the, this subject matter, but I hate when they do that. When they, when Gustafson was fighting against um, Anthony. Um, Johnson. Uh, Rumble Johnson. Yeah. The referee stepped in and reset the fight. What they did was they recalibrated the distance between the two fighters, giving Anthony Rumble Johnson the opportunity to tag Gustafson. Gustafson was actually closing the distance and building on Anthony Rumble Johnson, if you ask me. So I felt he was in an advantageous position. I'm using that only as an example because Alvarez was actually in the advantageous position by standing those two fighters up based on a mistake that, yes, Alvarez made by throwing a, a vertical elbow downward yeah, they were the stood up six elbow uh, yes I, i'm with you on that one i think that they should not have they took him from a completely them. dominant position in the mount position and stood him up and and the thing about that is that it, it's wrong because it takes work and effort to get into that position yes people were saying that okay eddie you know he had his you know he might have like hooked his ear he was doing some dirty stuff um but at the end of the day again it, it's a fight and and eddie alvarez just like justin poirier is a veteran they yes. know how to get into the guy's head 
I don't blame anybody for doing something if the ref can't see you. I'm sorry. I know it sounds crazy, but it's, <laughs> it's a sport. It is what it is. You know, if you can get away, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. It's, it's just what it is. I'm glad you pointed that out because I was going to point out the fact that they have veteran tricks, no different from the way Daniel Cormier used the towel to alleviate a couple of pounds off the scale Absolutely. when he did that. Those are veteran competitor tricks. But to get back on the subject <laughs> with Eddie Alvarez, I feel as if he was in the position to win that fight based on the fact that he is still in his prime. I believe he's only 34 years old. Okay. Yep. Yep. I don't think that he's got out of the prime yet. I think he still has a couple of very good years in the UFC, very good competitor, mm -hmm. really good background, came from the underground king from being the underground king to actually having held the, the belt at 155 pounds, which is a fantastic achievement. Right. Now, my subject to you is UFC, beware of Scott Coker. Man, it, it, it seems like, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it seems <laughs> like Scott Coker says that he would love to, he would love to have Eddie Alvarez back with Bellator. Um, Eddie Alvarez is a free agent. Uh, he waited his last fight until he finished his last fight so he can negotiate. Unfortunately, he did not get that win. Um, so it puts him in a precarious situation with the UFC. Dana White has recently said that he would love to re-sign him and he would love for Eddie Alvarez to be there. Uh, Scott Coker said the same thing. I'm going to be honest with you. Eddie Alvarez probably has... Eddie Alvarez, even though he's 34 years old, he has a lot of miles. Yes. yes. He, he's been in the game such a long time. Um, I'm a huge fan. He's one of the first guys that I actually started paying attention to in MMA, especially, like you said, half Puerto Rican. I had to mess with somebody who's, you know, who's uno de mi gente, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So I, I, was, I was about him, but uh, he's been in so many wars. He's so talented. Maybe has five fights left in his career, tops. Now, Does he have an opportunity to be the champion in the UFC? I don't know. Um, I think he might have an opportunity, though, to make more money in Bellator and uh, compete for another title. So, And I'd love to see him fight against Michael Chandler in Bellator again as well. So I'm, I'm personally leaning towards Bellator. Oh, man. And this kind of intersects with one of our other subjects regarding Tony Ferguson. I don't want to get deeper into that subject, but mm -hmm. let's say... Oh, man, I can't touch on that. I'll bring it back later when we talk we'll, about We'll Tony. double back to that one because that's another yeah, topic I'll, we have coming up. Exactly. But can you imagine? Okay, I'd like to – if I'm talking about my own personal perspective, I want to see Eddie Alvarez stay in the UFC because I believe he's still competing at a very high level. Absolutely. I think that the last fight, the last competition he had was a little up in the air. I would love to have seen that again, run that back, make a trilogy out of it. But he was he was defeated uh, convincingly at the middle of that round based on the fact that he was tired of trying to obtain that position. But if we look back at it, can you imagine – from a marketing perspective, if Bellator got their hands on him, would the underground king receive the love that LeBron James got going back to Cleveland and actually getting a title at the 155-pound division? I mean, no. <laughs> Straightforward and no. Why yeah. not? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, Bellator, as much as we are balls deep in the sport, we understand it. Um, nobody else is going to care because at the end of the day, people still call MMA UFC. 
Yeah, so the reason I would like Eddie to go to Bellator is because I think he'll end up getting paid more and he'll have an opportunity for longevity. Um, I would love to see him in the UFC because at the end of the day, you're right. He's still top five in the world, no matter what organization. Uh, but, man, nah, and he's already won the chip already there. It, it wouldn't be impressive to me if he went back and won it because at the end of the day, I still think he is one of the best guys in the world. All right. Well, All I right. do plan to talk a little bit more about him uh, when we go into our one of our other topics. <laughs> First of all, I'm glad you brought that up because I'll just go into it then. All right. Uh, next topic that uh, we wanted to touch on in MMA news this week. Tony Ferguson, the former 155-pound interim champ that was stripped because of injury. What? Is now cleared for combat so uh for those of us who don't remember tony ferguson beat kevin lee actually for the interim title last year uh he was going to go ahead and defend and actually unify his belt um against khabib uh last year as well he ended up having a freak accident where he tripped over some cords um at the ufc's uh facility in in uh ufc tonight facilities in uh los angeles he tripped tore his knee literally tore the ligament completely off of the bone wow um he ended up getting stripped he couldn't compete and now uh he is he's back and supposedly he's clear for combat um Tony Ferguson is one of the best guys in the world. Uh, Tony Ferguson is an exciting fighter. He's a finisher. Uh, He would have given Khabib everything he could have handled. He gave, he he's beaten some of the best of the best. He beat Kevin Lee, who again both of us are extremely high on. Um, he he's beaten Edson Barbosa. He's beaten Rafael dos Anjos. He's beaten some of the best of the best, and I think he's on something like an eleven fight winning streak. Um, the thing about him coming back, I'm excited about it. Is great, but. Now we have a situation at 155 pounds. Yes, an interesting one. And it's super interesting. We have the, the, the championship fight's about to happen. We have Conor versus Khabib for the chip, which is, which is exciting. We have Dustin Poirier fighting Nate Diaz, who hasn't fought in two years also, for essentially the number one contender fight. What do we do with Tony Ferguson? We can't have him fight Kevin Lee again. He just beat Kevin Lee, even though Kevin Lee has staph infection. What do we do with him? What do you think? We bring back Eddie Alvarez and make a qualifier for him and say, look, we're going to make you go against Tony Ferguson. We're going to allow but how do we do Khabib that if- and Connor fight. We can't, give then- him that. we can't give him that fight, though. Eddie Alvarez can't get that. He's coming off of a loss. A controversial loss that they can build the fight on. That's a very good point. That is a very good point. Um, if they do bring Eddie Alvarez back, and I'm glad we doubled back, that is a perfect way to get him back into the fold. Eddie Alvarez versus Tony Ferguson would be an incredible fight. It would be two guys. Fight. Two guys who both have that that hard-nosed, come-forward Latino heritage, right? Yes. Uh, one's half Puerto Rican, one's half Mexican. Or Tell me Mexican. you can't build that. Tell me you can't build that. Oh, you, can, you absolutely can't. And let's be honest. Come on. Man, you got a point. Uh, they, I don't actually <laughs> believe that they've ever really had... In boxing, you have it all the time. You have that Puerto yes. Rico-Mexico matchup. Have they ever... I don't think they've ever had that in MMA. 
they may have, but just didn't highlight it, perhaps. But we didn't have we had uh, uh, we didn't have a lot of, uh, of the Puerto Rican fighters reaching at that high level, such as uh, R- Jorge Rivera. We had uh, Rico Rodriguez. We did. We had uh, we had a couple of guys that were, but they never highlighted that particular no. aspect. And but, even when uh, Dennis Bermudez was, you know, at the top of his game, I don't think he actually competed against anybody either. Right. And there was never there was never any trash talk behind that either. So it never really built that that seed was never really planted. And honestly, you make a good point because trash talk between the two of them, you can sell that fight. That would oh, be a yeah. great fight for Tony Ferguson to come back. Uh, but the USC really has to focus on attaining Eddie Alvarez then and making it worth his while. Yes. So Eddie Alvarez is very, very smart at the negotiations table. He's always trying to build the best future for his family. He's got about, what, three or four kids? Yeah. You know, his yeah, wife, three they got kids, a home out there, right? So they're, they're, he's, he's smart at the negotiation table. He's very intelligent when it comes to marketing. When he was first presenting his, his fights, he was actually marketing himself, selling his own tickets and stuff like that before they actually blossomed to the point that he's at now. But not to stay on, on on Alvarez, it just so happens that the subject matter is Ferguson. My initial my initial thought process on Ferguson when we bringing him up was it might be interesting because of the fact that as you brought the topic up, you mentioned that he had been stripped of the interim title. Yes. Why? He was injured. Now, I have a little bit of uh, um, not disbelief, but there's a word I'm looking for, uh, um, uh, skepticism. Okay. Initial skepticism regarding how he was injured at the UFC tonight by rolling over some cables and hurting his knee. I believe he did it in training. I think he no, came he in did. there they, and they, acted. They, he literally, like... Like that was a thing. Like everybody who was in the room, they were like, "Nah, man, he really tore it off the bone tripping." Yes. It was just a freak accident. His foot was caught yeah. a specific way. He tripped it and ripped it, literally ripped the ligament off the bone. Okay, so maybe not done in training, but I was a little, I was a little skeptical. He came in injured, fell. This way, he could say, "Look, hey, don't strip me of the title." It happened during uh, a job that I had to do for the UFC promoting this physical fight. Yo, I don't think Tony Ferguson is that creative. <laughs> Maybe his team is. But Possibly. to get back onto the main subject of it is that since he wasn't, this since he didn't physically lose the interim title, right. wouldn't it be interesting if Tony Ferguson played his cards to make himself relevant in the 155-pound division as if he's not already, right? Say, listen, start talking trash on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever you want to do and say, listen, I never lost my belt. I'm going to let these two little boys fight and qualify to fight me. He's been doing that, which I appreciate. Oh, and there we go. That's the time. Last thing I'm going to say about that. Last thing I'm going to say about it is that um, the odd man now is going to end up being Dustin Poirier. Yes. Because Tony Ferguson, legitimate shot at the claim, right? Mm-hmm. He has a legitimate shot at the title. Um, yes. Khabib, legitimate shot. Connor, yes. legitimate shot. Nate mm-hmm. Diaz, if he gets past uh, Dustin Poirier, legitimate shot. Mm-hmm. Only person that will not, they would not give that shot to is, unfortunately, Dustin Poirier. But does Dustin Poirier complain about fighting Nate Diaz, the money fight? No. no. I think he's very content no. and getting paid the big bucks on a main card against Diaz for his comeback fight. Why good not? Point. So he's that's getting a, served. He's getting that's served. That's a good point. All right, next topic up. Um, Bohachina, Paulo Costa, Ooh. who we both know and love. Paulo Costa Ooh. is uh, an undefeated uh, um, 
up and coming prospect. He's 12 yes. and 0. 11 of those wins are by knockout. Yes. Complete animal. His last fight, he went out there and just ran through um, Uriah That's Hall, who is it, it's crazy. Crazy freak power. Uh, he is slated now at UFC 230. He's going to fight against one of my personal favorites, Yoa Romero. Yoa Romero has uh, twice fought Ooh. for the, uh, the middleweight championship. What was that? Cuba, yeah. Cuba Linda. Yeah. You know, he's out there, man. He's And he's also 41 years old. He's a former um, silver medalist out of Cuba in the Olympic Games. The only man to beat Kale Sanderson in wrestling, and he did not just do it once. He did it twice. Uh, so he's incredible. So, um, but... Paulo Costa said this, which I thought was super interesting. Paulo Costa is somebody who, again, 12 knock, 11 knockouts in his career. Anybody who gets in there, he touches. So obviously he thinks he's going to KO Yo uh, Romero. He said he believes that the Yo Romero fight is a more difficult fight than the champion Robert Whitaker. This is what Costa said about Robert Whitaker. He said, uh, he's a regular fight for me. He's not so good in the stand-up or wrestling or jujitsu. He's a regular fight, you know? And that's what Paulo Costa said about the middleweight champion, um, Robert Whitaker. And I'm going to be very honest with you. In comparison to Paulo Costa, man, pa- Paulo might have a point. He, he might say, like, and I will say this. I think Robert Whitaker is a is a great champion. Um, he has never wowed me. I personally believe he lost his last fight to Yoel Romero. I think Yoel Romero got kind of shafted in that in that fight. But he's not so Robert Whitaker to Paulo Costa's point is not great anywhere you're right he's not a, a world-class striker he's not world-class on the ground he but one thing about him he is extremely good and solid on every position now against Paulo Costa's pressure and power and we'll have to see against him somebody like a Yo Romero because I mean that fight might never 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 materialize but man I can realistically see Paulo Costa running through somebody like Robert Whitaker all right well <sighs> touch you know, I like Robert you're... Whitaker I do He's he's a good dude. See, he's a good champion. He's good for the sport. He's bringing New Zealand back into the fold and Australia back into the fold. Um, between him and Stylebender and uh, and, and all these dudes, man, so many guys right now coming out of uh out of that part of the world, which is amazing. But mm, I don't know, man. Bohachina, well, man, that dude is scary. Well, the key phrase, the key phrase that you mentioned at the beginning and the end of your statement, running through. Yes, he is running through his competition. But if you look at his martial arts record, he has competed no further than the second round. Nope. All of his fights have been TKO stoppages by punches. We know what dynamic and what style he's going to use to try to finish you. We know when he's when he's difficult to beat. We also know when, uh, if we can drag him into deep waters, perhaps we'll be able to overwhelm him. With that being said, that's one dynamic I feel like should be employed when def- facing Paulo Costa. Absolutely. The second, the second dynamic of this conversation, I feel as if Paulo Costa needs to take a step back and stop thinking about Robert Whitaker because he is looking past the animal, the beast, the creature that is Yoel Romero. Who and is, I mean, in my opinion, the best fighter at that weight class? This man at the age of 41 is a 
just a, a machine. It, it, I'm calling him a man. He is a machine. Now, when we look at Paulo Costa and you look at Yoel Romero, that's like putting two He-Man figures next to each other. Both of they them have, action figures. 100%. Yeah, they, they have the X factor. They have the physiques. They have the, the, the victories. You can build the fight. Absolutely. But if Paulo Costa was to even think about facing Robert Whitaker, he needs to first focus on trying to dismantle the puzzle that is Joel Romero. With that being said, Robert Whitaker not world class in, in, in anything? Hmm. Well... I have to I have to disagree. He, like me, is a Gojiryu practitioner. So if you say world class at boxing, sure, maybe not not the best boxer. All right. Um, not world class in Muay Thai, sure, maybe not the best in Muay Thai at all. But can he strike? Look, I'm he not kick, trying to I'm not trying to take away from his striking or anything. I'm I'm yes. just saying that he we're we're looking at it. Is he like a fifteen time Muay Thai world champion? No, he's right. not. Right. That's what I'm saying. Is he, you know, uh, an IBGJJF, you know, world champion? Is he, uh, you know, uh, somebody, you know, won in Dubai or Eddie Bravo Invitational? No. Right. But is he, he's a purple belt and on the ground. You know, he's he's very well versed everywhere. So I didn't want to make it seem like I'm trying to take away from his skill set because no, I'm not. Not you personally whatsoever, but Paulo, by dissing his Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well, not not to mention he's got a black belt in the Okinawan system of Goju Ryu. Yes. That's that's the stand-up that he's doing. But the fact that he's actually a a brown belt as of 2017 under Alex Prates, who yes. Alex, by the way, is a third degree. Yeah. No problem. He's a third degree. Yeah, he's a brown belt now brown as belt, of 2017. Yeah, yeah. And his instructor is a third degree. So by the fact that Paulo's calling out his BJJ, his jiu-jitsu in general, he's just dissing his own people, the Brazilian people, and the Gracie system of jiu-jitsu, not just jiu-jitsu in general or somebody's branch off of jiu-jitsu or a snap jitsu or monkey jiu-jitsu or whatever right. jiu-jitsu you want to call it. Brazilian jiu-jitsu certified, certified, again, under Holker and Hoyler Gracie. And when you put those two guys on a certificate and you give it to me and you say I'm a third degree, that means a lot. Yeah, that it does. So all in all, look, Paulo Costa has a lot to go through. He needs to go ahead and uh, focus on what he has in front of him. But I, I think we both agree. I, I mean, Robert Whitaker, he's never been my favorite. But, dude, you, we can't take his skills away from him at all. The kid's tough. He's a he's a previous rugby player. He's tough. He's got that he's got that iron will. Oh, yeah. Dude, for for him to go through that the two fights with Yoro Romero, you have to be tough. Yeah. Those you are wars. So I'm that will you, be the only thing that will weigh against him is the fact that he's been through those wars. Absolutely. All right. Last thing I want to bring up. I'm gonna let you bring this one up today, man. Uh, and then maybe we can maybe maybe we have one time for one more, but I want you to bring this one up. All right. So we're going into the boxing realm right now. For all the boxing fans out there, we definitely want to talk about this. Mikey Garcia most recently just came off against a victory unifying the titles. Went mm -hmm. down, actually, to 135 pounds to go against That's Robert. That's his natural weight class, though. Yes, he went I, up I would to agree. 140. Right. I would agree. He went down in his weight class, I should say, to go ahead and go to 135 and fight against Robert Easter Jr. simply to unify the titles. And he did a very good showing. I saw that fight in its entirety, actually, prior to our last podcast. So yeah. the fact that it comes up now in subject, it's, it's fresh in my mind. Um, it was a 
definitely it was definitely a competitive fight to begin with. But after uh, Robert Easter Jr. felt the power that Mikey Garcia possessed and the fact that he wasn't able to earn any respect from Mikey Garcia with his power, I feel as if it was a downhill slope unless he was able to edge him uh, by judging by sheer output of points, uh, output of strikes and accumulating points over the rounds. But Mikey Garcia would not allow that to occur. Mm -hmm. So Mikey going up and actually wanting to fight for the 147 pound belt and fight against that man, that myth, that legend with 24 fights, that Southpaw, Errol Spence. That is a tough fight. What do you feel about that? Should Mikey Garcia take himself up to that weight class, to that division and go against Errol Spence? So I'm going to be very honest with you. Absolutely 100% not. Um, (laughs) This is why. And I agree with the likes of not only Abel Sanchez, who is the great trainer of uh, the number one pound for pound boxer in the world right now, or number two, Gennady Golovkin. Yes. Um, he's uh, and also the 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 boxing great and now great promoter of Golden Boy Promotions, Oscar De La Hoya. Um, you know, and also you know, great at wearing women's clothing or whatever you want to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just jokes, you know, whatever. Uh, but. Um, they all, and I agree with them, they say that, look, it's too much. He's trying to move up. He wants to be a three-division world. You know, he wants to move up into the weight class. He wants to go ahead and take out this this champion. Um, I believe it works if, you know, you come up and he's a naturally big guy also, right? Uh, Mikey Garcia is one of the most skilled boxers in the world. Um, he's very technical. He's very skilled. Uh, never out of position. He's always well-balanced. Uh, his defense is impeccable. I love it. Here's the problem. He's moving up, and something that we talked about a little earlier is that he, he's going to fight a big man who is just as technical as he is. And not only is a big man who is just as technical, he hits way harder. So he's a much bigger man. He's a much more physically imposing man. And I'm going to be very honest with you. If they fight, Mikey Garcia does not get out of that fight. He gets KO'd within the the distance. Um, And it's unfortunate. I think he'll be competitive within the first few rounds. But we've seen this time and time again, especially in boxing. Now, if Mikey Garcia wants to move up to 147 pounds and fight a champion and have an opportunity to win a belt at 147 pounds, what he needs to do is go fight Terrence Crawford that's the fight to make now Terrence Crawford is a scary matchup but he is also somebody who just moved up from 140 pounds 247 pounds he's a smaller guy he's not really a 147 pounder he's just badass so with that being said I have to say it man I think Mikey needs to stick to 140 pounds, 135 pounds, beat everybody up in between all those. I think he, I think 147 pounds, especially Errol Spence, is going to be far too much. But if Errol Spence does get that fight, that is going to propel him into a different type of stardom. 
It just so happens that Mikey Garcia, yes, does have 15 more fights than Errol Spence. He does have over 100 rounds of experience more than Errol Spence. You know, and the kid, he's he's definitely well balanced. Got good defense. Got good good offense. Got a good heart. Good mentality. Good training. It's not training corner. Errol Spence's Olympic experience, though. Absolutely, they both have Olympic experience. It just so happens that um, uh, Errol Spence competed at at the in the Olympic trials. Uh, he was able to win get get far into the Olympic trials but at 147 pounds. So what that's yep. indicative of is the fact that Errol Spence is a naturally larger human being, whereas yes, where Michael Gar- Mikey Garcia actually competed in the Olympics at 125 pounds. So there would be there's a big gap in terms of the overall size. Now, with the with that being said, it just so happens that with Errol Spence being the larger human being and having a little bit less experience. So now here we go back into that dynamic of talking about well, when you have two people that are at the same level skill set wise and I'm not I'm not suggesting that they are but when you have the larger person that larger person should have the technical the, the advantage if not technically just based on the physical attributes that he possesses he so with that being said yes so I would just have to say and with the fact that as you were talking about this kid yeah, at the lowest, fought at 140, 143, uh, 147. Uh, he's just knocking people out. This guy is knocking people out. He's not taking them all 12 rounds. He's putting you away. And not only has Errol Spence knocked out, he's knocking out high caliber guys. Yes. He, you know, he, he's knocked out. I mean, think about the last couple people he's been in there with. Um, what's his name from uh, from Britain? Uh, oh, man, why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh Kell Brook. Ha! Kell Brook. Yes. He went ahead and not only did he knock out Kell Brook, who is a great champion in his own right. Yes. He broke his orbital socket. So, oh. I mean, he, he, he's he's a very, I mean, he did the same to Lamont Peterson, dropped him with a body shot. I mean, Errol oh. Spence Jr. is one of the best fighters that I've ever seen. He, he yeah. he's, he's great. I'm a huge fan of his. And... His, his, his trainer is the 2017 trainer of the year. Mm-hmm. He trains with the Charlo twins, who you know how highly I feel about them. Yes. Um, and he also trains with Regis Progre, who is a 135-pound champ, who is in a complete animal, who knocks everybody. So he's training with just as high-caliber people, if not even higher-caliber people. So it, it, I think it's going to be extremely interesting to see, man. Um, the alarm did go off. Sweet. Do you have any other topics for the day? Do you have anything else? I just want to ask the fans out there, who's going to tune in? Liddell, Ortiz 3, (laughs) Golden Boy MMA. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yo. Thumbs up, thumbs down. You tell us. Let us know. You want to know how I feel about that? Hold on. I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. That that fight is, first of all. Scheduled for November, perhaps somewhere near the Thanksgiving weekend. That's how I feel about that fight. I'm going to do it again. (laughs) One more time. That's how I feel about that fight. <laughs> Look, both of these dudes are way past their prime. Um, what's going to happen is this. Chuck Liddell is going to get absolutely run over by T.D. Ortiz. Reason being, T.D. Ortiz has still been competing. He competed as early as last year. He fought against Chael Sonnen and literally just, just destroyed him in the first round. Yes, We're talking did. about somebody who is, again, has competed within a year ago compared to somebody who has not competed in over seven years. Um, also, somebody who was... 
pretty much their their chin was gone then. They were she was chinny when he left, and that's Ouch. why he had to retire. So now he's gonna go in there against a man who is as healthy he's ever as he's ever been, who's still younger. And again, why are we doing this? Oscar De La Hoya, if you want to go <laughs> ahead and actually start an MMA organization, there's so many young up and coming prospects that we talk. I Oscar De La Hoya, I talk about it a new prospect on my show every week. Listen to the fight podcast. Pick one of them. You know what I mean? Like pick a up and coming prospect. Pick somebody. But to sit there and turn around and, and get these two old geezers to out here and fight, man, what the <laughs> hell? My, I might as well see Ken Shamrock out there fighting Hoist oh. Gracie again. I don't want to see that nonsense. Oh, and he's going in and ripping fighter pay. He's ripping MMA fighter pay right now. <laughs> So what are we going to do? Are we going to have the same system as boxing where, you know, the majority of boxers get paid dick and they're uh, and they're uh, the promoters make all the money? Come on, man. Like bo- the boxing heads need to relax with that. Yes, MMA fighters aren't getting paid as well as they should. Yes. Um, but neither are boxers. I mean, only the top of the, the 1% of the 1%ers are actually making cash like that. Anybody, come on, it's, 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 it's foolish to think anything otherwise. I would have to agree. Ronda Rousey actually said it really well. She was in an interview and they were trying to corner her regarding her pay and how much she makes. And she said, well, you guys don't really know exactly what I get paid. But I mean, if we want to compare myself to Mayweather, I've only have, I think she said something like some single digit amount of fights. Whereas Mayweather had like 30 something or 40 or some odd amount of fights at that time. She said, if I was in that class where I had that many fights, I think my pay would be comparable. <laughs> so Ronda yes. Rousey didn't deserve the money that she got. Oh man, she was she was le- running the division for a while, and she got paid a significant amount she, of money to present she, promote she women's had, MMA. I'm not. You know what? Congratulations to Ronda Rousey and her career. I'm not going to jump on her right now. I feel very specifically about her skill set. I was never impressed by her, and I was even less impressed by her as a person. Um, the way she handled herself, I don't believe she handled herself as a champion should. So, not a fan of Ronda Rousey in the fighter house or just in general outside uh, with uh, general, against other all, competitors. All around, all around. Got it. So, as a person, no. As a champ, okay. Not a fan. Oh, all right. Got it. Not a fan. I appreciate <laughs> what she did for the sport. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I believe the UFC gave her the, the most favorable matchups possible. Um, I don't believe she actually fought anybody that posed a threat to her until she fought Holly Holm. And that was the first time in her career where she fought an opponent that was bigger and more athletic and more technical than she was. The first time in her career. The second time in her career that she fought somebody like that that was a more technical fighter than she was and who was just as athletic and just as big was against Amanda Nunes. So the two times in her career when she ended up fighting against athletes that were actually just as imposing, just as seasoned as martial artists and, you know, as competitors, they completely destroyed her. That was a beautiful aspect in the dynamic of that fight as well because when I talk about Daniel Cormier being a veteran competitor, not just a veteran, but a veteran competitor, meaning someone who has been doing competitive sports for years, understands the ins and the outs. Ronda Rousey, no different. As a youth, training in judo, judo, went to the Olympics, no different from the way Cormier did in in wrestling. Um, When you're talking about uh, uh, Holly Holm, having competed in boxing, obtaining X amount of uh, victories, uh, obtaining a 
belt, fighting at a very high level. This was really great because we have somebody who didn't just come up in a kickboxing class and said, hey, I want to fight MMA, but an actual competitor going against someone who also was a competitor within their respective sport. Exactly. And and, and again, it, we, we look at people because I look at the greatest female fighters of all time, for instance. And, and this is the last thing because I know we got to go. <laughs> sure, sure. But, but the, the last thing that I, that my top female fighters of all time, Chris Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Um, the underground queen. Hey. Right, pretty much. You got Chris Cyborg, I think is the greatest female fighter of all time. Ioana and Jacek, I think is right there. Awesome. Gina Carano, I think, is right there. Yes. Um, and I'm just talking about skill level. After them, I, I say it's Amanda Nunes. After Amanda Nunes, then I think you put in Ronda Rousey. I think even, uh, I think we can fit in. Uh, Misha uh, Tate as well. Misha uh, Tate has to go in that mix somewhere. Misha, Misha definitely held down the fort and, and held the torch for quite some time. Absolutely. Um, uh, but the girl who's going against that 125, I cannot believe I continue to forget her name after having uh, you know, Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, that girl's skills. She hasn't done she hasn't done enough yet in the sport for me to say that she can be. She's one of the greatest of all time. Understood. All these other women yeah. Have, yeah, have they all have belts. They've all won. They've all you know done a lot historically. A man uh, Shevchenko, as skilled and as talented as she is, and she is a multiple time Muay Thai world champion. She's actually even beat Joanna and Jacek twice in Muay Thai. Correct. Um, so I, I think extremely highly of her. Um, and in my opinion, if she she like I said with her fights against Amanda Nunes, two extremely close fights. So she's right there, but realistically, she might be the Anna Gustafson of the women's division. Could I give you a rapid fire? Yes. Who wins, Dana White or Scott Coker getting Eddie Alvarez? Scott Coker. Boom. I don't know. Who wins, Paulo Costa or Yoel Romero? Yoel Romero. Who wins, Woodley or Till? Woodley. I don't know. As of right now, I'm saying Woodley. As of right now, I'm saying Woodley. Who wins, Mikey Garcia or Errol Spence? Errol Spence. Who wins, Motom Finan, Kevin Lee, or Dylan Dennis in straight jiu-jitsu, submission only? Straight jiu-jitsu, submission only. I have to go with Kevin Lee because he's big and strong enough, I believe, to stall out Dylan Dennis. And I don't believe Dylan Dennis is strong enough to do the same. Boom. You heard it here on the Fight Podcast. Sergio Vicente's quick picks right here. <laughs> yo, yo we, we might have to do that every shot like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good stuff, Prison Brother. Thank you. As always, my friend, salute to you. You're a beast. I appreciate you joining us again. Uh, episode 26 of the Fight Podcast. Anything else you want to say for this episode? Thank you very much. And thanks for all the listeners out there. Tune in. Listen to the other podcasts prior to it. A lot of interesting information. A lot of really cool content. Awesome fighters on there. And you get to know a lot about these people's personalities outside of the fight game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There you go. Prism Puerto Ricanism himself, brother. Thank you again, man. And uh, like I said, we'll definitely see you next time on the show. Like I said, I'll be shooting you a line before then, though, man. <laughs> Much love. I'll talk to you then. All right. All right, brother. Take care, man. All right. Peace out. 
All right, that was our fight news for the week. Uh, I want to always, as always, thank Prism for uh, joining us. Uh, This dude, the way his mind works is great. Uh, He definitely... From traveling all over the world and training, it's all really, really good to get martial artist opinion, and especially a little di- when it's a little different than mine. So, uh, thank you again for Prism being on the show, and uh, yo, thank you to you for listening. <laughs> I appreciate you listening today. Um, as always, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. All right. Got a couple more things to go today, but uh, I know you're going to love it. So starting off, we have our IG story poll and poll results. Uh, We do this every week. I want to make sure we're interacting with you, the listener. And uh, in doing that, I always put a poll up each and every week. We've posted a couple of days a week so you can go ahead and actually make sure you catch it. I know how it can be on IG. It can slip through the cracks. So I go ahead and post it more than once. Uh, So this week, my question to you, the fan, the listener, was, and I got this question based off of an interview that um, Dwayne Bang Ludwig, the coach and trainer of TJ Dillashaw, he had an interview on Area Hawani's MMA show, and Dwayne Bang Ludwig said that he believes TJ Dillashaw is hands down the best and most skilled fighter of this era to the point, if not this era of all time, he said he is the Bruce Lee of this era. So I I thought it was an interesting topic. I I do have TJ in my top three pound for pound kind of interchanging between two and three. Uh, But the question is, is TJ Dillashaw the most skilled fighter in MMA? I personally lean towards Demetrius Johnson, even though he just took a loss. But aside from him, I'll say he's really close up there. What did the listeners have to say? Instagram poll results say 63% of my listeners of the Fight Podcast say TJ Dillashaw is not the most skilled fighter in MMA. Look, I get it. I can see why Bang would actually say that. I think he's close. He has an argument, but... Mm, I'm not sure. So um, 63% said no. I have to side with 63%. All right. Next question. Eddie Alvarez, who just lost to Dustin Poirier uh, three weeks ago. He was waiting to re-sign. We talked about this a little bit in our uh, fight news portion of the show. So my question is to the listeners. Will Eddie Alvarez, who is no longer, who is currently a free agent, re-sign with the UFC or sign with Bellator? 78% of our listeners say yes. 
Eddie Alvarez will sign with Bellator. Man, I felt like Bruce Buffer sitting there talking at the end of the fights. But yo, or Michael Buffer, whichever sport we're watching. (laughs) Uh, Look, I I said it a little earlier myself. I agree with the listeners. I have to side with you guys. I believe Eddie Alvarez is going to go back home to Bellator. He spent the bulk of his career there. He made a name for himself there. And he can have amazing matchups there and possibly even win a championship again. I would love to see him go ahead and fight against Michael Chandler for the third time. So we will see. Um, but I can't wait. All right. That, my friends, was this week's IG poll for the week. This week's Your Turn to Talk portion of the show, guys. I love this portion of the show. This is fun, and I'm really loving that I'm starting to get some uh, some more uh, questions in. Uh, I love it. Thank you all uh, for those of us and those of you who submitted questions. And please tell your friends, you know, listen and uh, subscribe, rate the podcast, and we will absolutely uh, post your questions. So... Let me just go ahead and jump into it. First question comes from at Tim.Q.200. Do you believe the UFC should make a 165-pound division? So this question comes up. Um, a lot of a lot of people have been making, and a lot of fighters, for instance, have been talking a lot about weight cutting issues and moving around and a lot of people in particular have wanted a 165 pound division in particular Kevin Lee I'm gonna be honest with you I 100% believe that the UFC should make 165 pound division I honestly believe that the UFC should go ahead and make more weight classes every 10 pounds it doesn't make sense to do anything aside from that why is it that it's 55 to 70, 70 to 85, 85 to 205, 205 to 265. It doesn't make sense. Um, we would have less issues with weight cutting. We will have a we will have more opportunity for super fights if we have more belts and more champions. So 100%, I believe uh, we should end up having uh, the 165 pound division, and honestly, not only the 165 pound division. Just more uh, divisions in general. So thank you, Tim.Q. All right, next question comes from at Rich Hall. He asks, can Greg Hardy be a UFC champion? Look, Greg Hardy right now is getting really, really championed by the UFC. He is continuing getting uh, opportunities, getting a whole bunch of pretty much sandbags in uh, the Contender Series. I'm going to be honest with you, no, I do not believe he will be a a champion. I look at his skill set. Yes, he's an incredible athlete, but I don't believe he has put in the time, nor is he willing to put in time. He is somebody who has been the nail his entire career, or should I say the hammer his entire career. Football, domestic issues. So far in his MMA career, he's been the hammer, consistently been the hammer. So what do I believe is actually going to happen? I believe he will eventually get tested. And just prime example, if he went out there and fought against another 
individual who went ahead and actually fought in the contender series has been on the show twice. Juan Adams. Juan would just run through him. He'd take him down with a single leg and just park himself on his chest and do work. I believe that a lot of people in the top 10, top 15 in the heavyweight division would do that to Greg Cardi. I don't see it happening. I would love to see him with adversity. Only time will tell, but as of right now, I'm saying negative. Thanks, Rich. All right, next question. I'm loving these. Thank you guys so much for uh, for submitting these questions. This is great. This next question is from at Derico underscore. All right, nice name. <laughs> Are you still interested in a TJ versus DJ super fight? Okay. So, uh, at Derico is asking if TJ Dillashaw, the 135 pound champion will eventually, or do I still want to see him fight Demetrius Johnson, the former 125 pound champion in a super fight? I mean, yeah, I'm a fan of the sport and I wholeheartedly believe that Demetrius Johnson will end up getting his belt back. So I don't see this fight is going anywhere. I do not believe this fight is going anywhere. I think Demetrius Johnson will win his belt back. And once he does, I think without having to continue adding on and adding on and adding on to his, you know, his record of title defenses with 11 title defenses, I think now he's going to have the opportunity to say, okay, look, I did that. Now pay me. Now it's time to pay me. Now it's time to jump around. So I think he, after this fight, he'll be more willing to go out there. And yes, hell yeah, I'm interested in that fight. All right, last one that I have for today is from at Johnny Biz. What up, Johnny? Um, The question is, is Justin Gaethje done if he loses to James Vick? Man, look, for those of you guys who do not know Vick, he is a complete, complete, complete animal. He's something like 9-1 in his UFC career. Fights at 155 pounds, that, that shark tank. And he's finally starting to get the credit that he deserves. Very well-schooled, very well-rounded. Also comes out of Lloyd Irving's gym. I'm be honest with you. I think that Vic gets it done. Now, is Gaethje done if he loses? No. Not at all. Justin Gaethje is the new Chris Lytle of the UFC. He's the new Chris Lieben of the UFC. He goes out there and no matter what, he is going to put on a show. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be entertaining. And that is what the UFC brass loves. Just a simple fact that that's what they love. He's not going anywhere. Now, is he done as a contender? And does he now have the title of gatekeeper? 100%. 100%. But aside from that, nah, I don't see it. Um, I, I see Justin Gaethje. He'll still be around. I, I don't see anything happening. All right. That was, thank you all for submitting your questions. That was this week's uh, Your Turn to Talk portion of the show. Always fun. I'm really happy that we can go ahead and do that. All right, this week, uh, before we get out of here, I want to go ahead and highlight there is a Bellator card this weekend. James, um, man, I'm messing up the names, but uh, Ricky Valdejas, uh, he was on our show last week, uh, is going to go ahead and actually compete against James Gallagher. 
one of Conor McGregor's protégés coming out of SBG Ireland, and he's an absolute beast. He's one of the guys that Bellator is really putting a lot of stake in, and if he wins this fight, he probably will go ahead and get a uh, title shot at 145 pounds. Ricky Bandejas, beast. We know all about him. He's been on the show. He's going in there to go ahead and mess those plans up. Um, I can't wait for this fight. We should all make sure we check these uh, this card out. It's going to go ahead and happen this Friday on the Paramount Network at 7 p.m. I can't wait to watch it. I will this week. Uh, Sunday, we will have our second show breaking down what happened in the Bellator event and having a couple more uh, interviews and some fun stuff happening as well. All right. So... This week has been fun, so these are my hot takes of the week. And this might be something you guys don't know. Um, Yesterday, uh, in particular, in MMA history, uh, August 15, 2009, was the anniversary of one of the greatest women's MMA fights of all time. Chris Cyborg, who I believe is the greatest female fighter of all time, or one of the greatest fighters of all time, period, Fought and beat an all-time great and unbeaten. And if it was not for this this young lady, women's MMA would not be what it is. She went out and beat the face of women's MMA at that time, Gina Carano. This fight was super important for women's MMA. It was the first time that women headlined a major MMA card. They went ahead and... and uh, and headline that Strike Force card in San Jose, which was the, you know, the at the time, the uh, home base for uh, Strike Force. People wanted to see the underdog Carano win, and they wanted to have her, you know, just continue becoming a huge star because she was. She had a great smile. People really felt that Gina Carano was extremely attractive. But more importantly than her looks and her smile, she can really compete and fight she came from a great gym she trained at extreme couture you know her she has great muay thai striking and she was a great all-around athlete great grappling and everything else chris cyborg went ahead and was just too much she was just too much for uh, gina carano and ended up tko and carano with four minutes and 55 seconds of round one only one second left in the round people and she got her up out of there um, this was a great fight. Uh, if you have not ever seen it, you should go back and see it just to see how far women's MMA has gone, just to see how far MMA has come. And not only is it they see that, look at the beginnings of the great Chris Cyborg. Oh, it's awesome. So that's how take one. Number two, MMAJunkie.com recently had up one of their daily debate polls, and they asked if you're a top prospect. Do you choose the UFC? Do you choose Bellator or other? And I think most of us would think that most prospects would want to end up going with the UFC. This was interesting. Bellator won the poll. 49% of people said that Bellator, if you're a prospect, you should go to Bellator. 43% said UFC, and then after that, the PFL brought in the rear again, 8% of the vote. I think this says a lot. I think there's a lot to take into account. 
I don't know if that's the right move. I know if I was currently competing, I would lean towards Bellator just because I believe in the way that they treat their athletes a little bit more. But UFC is UFC. I think people also need to really take a look, a serious look at what the PFL is doing. They have some monsters. They have a great backing and uh, they have some big time investors, huge, big name investors. So, man, I might even lean towards PFL. So who knows? Uh, but it's interesting to see that the public opinion has gone towards Bellator and is people are not as keen on the UFC anymore. So I think more importantly, this shows how the sport is growing and evolving. And there's no longer just one big dog. Other people know that there are other great organizations and other great talent out there. So I think that's extremely important. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that being said, thank you everybody so much for joining me here on the Fight Podcast. That honestly is my show for today. Um, this is Serge Vicente. This is episode 26 of the Fight Podcast. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente and support the show by checking the website out thefightpodcast.com <laughs> purchase merch today thank you all as always for listening thank you all for tuning in and i will see you next time right here on the fight podcast